0: Hello and welcome to the Neil Plus One podcast with me Neil Curran and Happy New Year to you all. This week on the podcast I speak with Robert Long. Rob has been doing improv for almost 30 years. He started with Comedy Sports back in 1989 and in 2008 he founded the Centre for Improv Advancement in his hometown of Bakersfield, California. Rob was in Dublin recently for Improv Fest Ireland, and we had a chance to catch up. And uh, now, in this interview, um, there is a bit of background noise at times as we do change location as a group of old ladies came in to celebrate a birthday in the venue. So we moved. So you may hear a bit of change in background noise during it, but I do hope you enjoy it. It's
1: loud and arrogant, I didn't say rude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to Neil Plus One. And um, we're live here from Improv Fest Ireland in Dublin. It is Friday, the 11th of November, and I'm joined here by Robert Long. Introduce yourself, Rob.
1: Hi, I'm Robert Long. Uh, I run the Center for Improv Advancement in Bakersfield, California. Uh, I do improv around Southern California and the Western United States and the whole United States and the world. It's like an expanding concentric circle thing, like Stanislavski, circles oh, yeah. of focus. Definitely live now in a different country. <laughs> yeah. So are we actually recording now? Should we I be taking recording. this? We are recording. We are recording. Okay, so I'm serious. We're we're here live in the the
0: firestroke cafe of the venue. So there may be some background noise. So um, Rob, you've got uh, quite a different background with improv than a lot of people. You're not. You're from California, but you're, right. You're not from L.A. or the Bay Area.
1: That's true. I've never been through I.O., I've never been through UCB, Acme, PAC, any of that. I uh, started with comedy sports in 1989, and so for about a decade, the vast majority of my experience was uh, short form. And then every year, comedy sports would get together in a national convention, which is like a national tournament, which is like an improv festival. And um, we'd see what each other was doing, and people would share stuff, and that's where I became aware of long form. And so started experimenting out of that. But um, most of what we've done has been exploring on our own and reverse engineering rather than going through formalized training programs.
0: Excellent. So... You, if, if I could be so bold, you are kind of a center of gravity in Bakersfield.
1: Uh, in the Bakersfield improv community, sure.
0: Yeah, and you, you, must, you must have a big challenge there in that you're so close to L.A. Yes. And you've got a certain, I guess, catchment area for improv. In a town where I imagine improv is not high in the agenda, uh,
1: maybe in the arts community.
0: So what is it like having to you know, manage that, being so close
1: to, to L.A.? Oh, you're scratching and clawing. I, I like to compare what we do to professional wrestling in a way. Because uh, if you ever watch the way the WWE works, Vince McMahon makes a generation of superstars. Are you into wrestling at all?
0: Um, I watched it as a kid back
1: in the Hulk Hogan. Gotcha. It it. But see, eventually Hogan went away. And there was a torch-passing match at uh, WrestleMania six between Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, who was a new superstar at the time that McMahon had tra- brought up and trained up. And, and wrestling works like that every, every few years you're creating a new generation of performers um, to fill the voids that are, are left by the evolution of the company and improv in Bakersfield is a lot like that, we've exported a lot of phenomenal people who, who get their fire lit in Bakersfield and then they go get formalized training and become part of the industry somewhere else and, and there's a lot of heavy hitters out there who started in Bakersfield
0: is isn't true, the traditional routes that a lot of people in California may have taken, or in the U.S. So uh, from an improv perspective, how do you align yourself? If someone was to say to you, what does improv mean to you? I guess that's my question. What does improv mean to you? What does improv do you align mean me? yourself from an improv
1: perspective? Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference. I think the longer you're in the game, the more you're hitting the same skills. I mean, there's a, there's a body of knowledge to be explored and absorbed and certainly they're basic skills that everybody has in common um, and those basic skills are, are mostly common to everybody, things like emotional exploration and pantomime and yes and and listening And um, but the more of that body of knowledge you gain the more you specialize you know, you come up with your own philosophy having explored it. at first you're, you're absorbing, you're sponging it all up but the more you sponge up, the more you start to be selective about, well, what's important to me and how does my artwork work? Uh, and I think I'm a little more narrative driven uh, than, than a lot of the improv I see. But, but I don't know that there – I think I've been in the game long enough that most of the stuff you would get from a formalized program I, I picked up somewhere from someone. If I were to go through a formalized program at this point, it would really mostly be um, breaking bad habits. Sure, sure. But we all have bad habits.
0: We do. We have bad habits from the day you start improvising. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a fan fan of narrative, and I find it's very difficult to find a good narrative. In other words, performers where narrative is their goal. Because it's that that age old adage of
1: everyone looks for plot. Right. Right. You know, so don't worry, plot.
0: Just to the relationships. So, hey, you know, what's your approach right now? I do want to talk about your show in a moment,
1: but you know, what does oh, no worries. improv mean to you? Uh, well, I'm fond of that Venn diagram between the writer and the director and the actor, and that the improviser stands at the center of all of that, to where they all overlap. Those three skill sets come together. So, I, I know a lot of people reject plot, but I think it's the definition of plot that's confusing. It isn't plot itself. Um, To me, the best stories come up when you have strong characters who are dealing with a given circumstance and then you change the given circumstance and you see how those characters' perspectives react to the new given circumstance. We were talking about Walking Dead yesterday and Walking Dead's an excellent example of this. The the pacing of it... I know, I know. The pacing of Walking Dead can... (laughs) very greatly, but that's because you get used to a given circumstance and how these characters are living. And so you spend some time seeing how they all react to the given circumstance. And then Kirkman, the writer changes the given circumstance and you see how everybody adjusts to that. And to me, that's, that's plot. Now you could argue whether Kirkman's pacing it well, whether you like it, but, but story is, is, is a cyclical relationship between the character and the environment. So there's never any I I I don't like stories that happen to main characters. I like stories that happen because of the characters and because of the choices that they make. Otherwise you're dealing with a Deus Ex Machina that could happen to anybody.
0: Yeah, and and um you know, your show so you have an narrative show
1: I, no. Oh, narrative show? Yeah, Revengers is, is largely narrative, yeah. Well, it's a little bit more... Than I thought you were going somewhere else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, a little bit lar- it's a little bit more than just a narrative show. So maybe, maybe wouldn't you share with, with us you know, the, the lore of the Revengers?
1: Because you're a bit of a comic book friend. Uh, that's just putting it mildly. Yeah, Spider-Man is one of my main three creative influences, yeah. And he's currently wearing a Superman shirt. So uh, Technically, this is Superboy because it's black and red. But I like the color scheme better than the Superman color scheme. Okay. So, yeah, tell
0: us a little bit about the Revengers. Because I, I, I didn't realize that uh, something you mentioned to me earlier it was it, it was as big as what you had said. But maybe share with us a little bit about what, what makes the Revengers different as a narrative.
1: Okay. Feel free to uh, stop me when I've rambled long enough. <laughs> um about a year and a half ago, probably March, April, um, Eric Danes, uh, one of the more recent people that's come through Bakersfield, came to me and said, I have a name for a troop and I don't know what to do with it. And he said, My name for the troop is the Revengers. And I said, Well, that's cool because I've been wanting to put together an improvised comic book and that name would seem to fit as a parody of the Avengers. So we pulled together a few people who were um, into comic books and good improvisers. Matt Borden and Justin Heidelberger were our first – the four of us were the first group. And we decided we were going to build a comic book on stage. And not just every show would be a comic book, but just like every issue in a comic book is part of the greater universe, we wanted to build a universe, a continuity. So – we spent a couple months working out well how do you solve those problems what does a comic book look like on stage Um, essentially the revengers is a modified movie if you've ever studied the movie format but instead of calling camera angles we're calling panels and comic book effects we use a lot of scene painting Um, when you're doing superpowers on stage you got to give the audience something to visualize And people come up to us after shows and go, I could totally imagine what you were talking about. And that's such a great compliment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I saw it for the first time in the San Jose Improv Festival. Yeah.
1: The Game of Thrones Deadline Part 1. Yes. There's a lot of talk about
0: our friend from Game of Thrones, Amelia. uh, Amelia uh, Clark. Amelia Clark, yeah. yeah. I
1: never used her name, though.
0: That's true, that's
1: true. She was the Mother of Dragons. Mother of
0: Dragons. But Mm -hmm. what I thought was interesting was because, yeah, sometimes uh, with the movie format, you know, groups can. So the pace sometimes can break with the description of the angles and the shots. I don't necessarily know that this time is when I'm watching the movie format that I feel like I need to get that. But there was something nice mm-hmm. about the way you use your descriptors to paint the scene. And yeah, like you said, you're dealing with marginalized characters.
1: We have we have struggled with that, not, not to interrupt you, but just to address that point. We have had points where we came down and on our debrief, we were like, there was too much scene painting, and it bogged down the pace of what we were doing. So there's a balance between the acting and the scenes versus what you're painting. And so when we feel we, we've been doing it for a year and a half now, so we think we've got that balance so that the scene painting never overwhelms the acting and the performance on stage that it's just enough and we have a sense of when to back off it so I get what you're talking I understand that completely
0: yeah but it, it was nice because it, it, it served the purpose for the show itself as opposed to you know sometimes I've that a big just grabbing shots like movie, which can someone to me if it's not done well can take you out of the show and yeah. disrupt the pace I guess not knocking the phone the phone's always really fine but with your format the scriptures, the scene painting is still very relevant to what's happening. Plus, I mean, I remember seeing a couple of the characters are flying.
1: <laughs> yeah, Icarus. Yeah. yeah He's right. got wings.
0: But you also have a, uh, a wiki page, because I asked you earlier before we on the Right. How
1: you know, do you keep track of what's uh, Well, it's RevengersImprov.com, and uh, we try and videotape. Every show we do. Sometimes we don't get a videotape uh, and we have to write it up. Um, But we host all those videos on YouTube. The idea is to find a few artists who will help illustrate it so we can turn them into uh, iTunes assets so that your back issues actually have artwork in them and people can download them and watch them. But uh, we'll debrief. We'll pull out the salient points of what we just did. Um, try not to project too much in the future what that means, but maybe discuss a couple of possibilities. But we realized in early October that the structure of what we're doing resembles a herald that takes four to five years to do. Um, we did Cedar City uh, Improv Festival, and we had Ryan McLean guest with us. Um, I hope I pronounced his name right. Rev, I'll just call it. Yeah, we had Rev guest with us. Uh, and when we have people guest with us, we do we usually do a secret villain origin. So we create a bad guy for them and the, for them in our universe. And Rev became a character that he named Corrupt Zach, who is like the spirit of corruption and he's imprisoned outside of the universe. And we realized that what we had done with him tied together things that we didn't fully understand that we improvised six months ago so we're like oh okay we're done with the first beat essentially and it's taken us almost a year and a half to get here so if the second beat and the third beat each take a year and a half that's four and a half years but we're into phase two and trying to figure out starting to touch on how things affect each other ryan uh, rev is our big bad he's our thanos so yeah.
0: He's a,
1: he's a, this a oh, yeah. Rev, like, a play this that That's a good question. We would have, love to have Rev. Sometimes we will call the show that we're going to do in advance because we have plot lines hanging that we want to see addressed. Um, like we did Slagman number one a couple months ago because we'd referred to it in a previous book and we wanted to see it. Um, So if we can get Rev to guest with us when we know we're going to do Corrupt Zack, that'd be great. And if we're in the same place Rev is and we do a show, we'd probably take advantage of it and use Corrupt Zack. But other than the main characters and anybody that we feel strongly about, our characters are shared. Uh, Because Recharge has a villain named Drano that Matt invented that we ended up sharing amongst us on a night that Matt wasn't there we needed Drano, he had to be in the show, but Matt wasn't there, so we went ahead and played him as as a group effort, so Korubzak could, in theory, be played by other people, but we'd love to have Ryan uh, Rev do it as often as he shows up. That'd be great.
0: I can hear his agent calling (laughs) me.
1: So, because you,
0: again, because you're doing a narrow piece and you're now expanding it beyond each show, I must create a, a, a certain pressure on you to be respectful of the words you've created, because the world is not end you know you don't take a bite sacrifices so how do you manage that your team
1: uh, well there's a multi-headed answer to that question I, I don't think we have a significant problem in people sacrificing a scene for a joke um, not that i've noticed The second one would be if somebody makes a bold choice, a big world-affecting choice, that's what we want. We actually had a talk like a month ago, a couple months ago, where we are like, we know there's some major plot points out there. Let's start driving at them and just choose them. So we had been growing... Um, the Revengers have never been formally trained or never been formally a- authorized by a government. So we started dealing with that and Slagma got disenfranchised by the team and quit the team and was lured to a rival organization. And we are like, whoa, is he a Revenger anymore? Um, so we like choices like that that affect the whole world. And then the other head to that answer is our guiding question in that group is, well, how would a comic book do it? And comic books deal with continuity all the time. I mean, you retcon stuff that doesn't make sense. You go back and explain it, or you justify it in a future show. Oh, that's why he was acting like this. Or you explain uh, to the new audience briefly in an editor's panel, this is what happened last issue. We do that a lot, and it's just a couple of sentences that say, here's what you missed. If you ever read an issue of Wolverine... um, this is a really familiar example to me within two pages there's a narrative block where wolverine tells you i'm a mutant with a healing factor and an adamantium skeleton and claws that pop out of my hands and so the audience gets oriented to it uh so the guiding question is always well how would a comic book do it so if we remember it great if we don't we'll go back and fix it But I wouldn't call it pressure. We're having too much fun with it for it to be pressure.
0: So, could we be seeing this as a new improv format that you guys are the originators
1: of?
0: Is it on the agenda in in improv school? People can sign up and do the comic book format?
1: Sure. 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 I had a friend of mine, um, J.D. Walsh, used to run the improv space, Ultimate Improv, in uh, Westwood, and uh, last time we had serious conversation, he was of the opinion that episodic improv was the future of the industry, and that sparked me to wrestle with, well, improvisers are one of the few art forms where you don't have a portfolio. You You can't show people your previous body of work, and so... I wanted to solve that problem and so that's part of the thought that went into Revengers. How do we make each show an asset? And I love the fact that TJ and Dave are cataloging shows on Vimeo now and making them assets because that's in the same vein of thought. It's an art form that some of the work, a lot of the work deserves to be, you know, catalog recognized, uh, held up as here's what these performers do because we're actors, we're writer, director, actor simultaneously. And there's great work out there going on that a lot of people just don't know about.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And like the challenge we have with improv is it doesn't transfer to video very well. That, yeah. It's usually here you know, reviewing festival submissions. A lot of shows you're reviewing on your one camera setups, possibly a camera phone, no mic, that becomes a, that becomes a challenge to to translate that to to transfer that entertainment. To yeah, it's very difficult to improvise or two. That into, uh, I guess a media, a medium non
1: I think somebody's going to crack that nut. I know a lot of theaters are experimenting with live streaming, but that makes the camera angle uh, static. Um, I got invited. I had to turn down a show um, to come here. That uh, the pack is doing a GoPro show where all of the performers are wearing GoPros and I wanted to see how that works because it feels like the first person perspective would work, but you're also looking at other people wearing GoPros. So I'm curious about how how that worked. I think, um, UCB put out an ASCAT DVD, uh, about 10 years ago. Um, Besser, Polar, Walsh, uh, Roberts, Horatio Sands is in the one I saw, but it wasn't. It wasn't a single-camera angle. It was a multi-camera shoot. And just like any other live event, I would think a multi-camera shoot with a director calling it, who knows what angles they're looking looking at. And this, I can go back to professional wrestling again. Kevin Dunn calls improvised stage combat. Don't let me ruin professional wrestling for anybody. um, On WWE broadcasts on a regular basis. So there's a model there to be able to call live switching in an improv show, because they're doing it slightly differently, but somebody's going to crack that nut in a way that makes improv more accessible.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, we, that GoPro show. Be curious. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. It'd be fun to check that out and see what they're I have my doubts, though, about whether. I mean, part of the enjoyment of theater is being here, right. a couple of feet from the action, and going on that journey with the performers and of course improv, adds that extra edge that, you know, you're going on the same journey at the same time as the improvisers. Whereas if you're watching it after the fact, it's kind of hard to capture that magic.
1: Which raises the question of virtual improv. I mean, if you can get, and depending on like hologram technology and being able to relocate your avatar into cyberspace, i would think that's something that could be explored you know you bring an audience together electronically into the same place certainly it's not the same vibe as live energy but it's,
0: it's to, like, people do that they, you know they skype in
1: someone to be their armando uh,
0: or to be their monologist
1: yeah sometimes
0: and um, that they use they have someone skype and deliver the monologue and then scenes um, there is a chat I'm, I'm trying to discreetly Look up his name here Because I, I Came across him earlier this year I think it's Matches something And he did a He did a show With uh, He created he's, a, he's got a PhD I think I'm, I'm, I'm so proud I apologize I'm listening and I also apologize for doing But his background is
1: mm. uh, And he created An AI That he could improvise With on stage Oh I'd love to see that He did a
0: show With it And from talking to him Afterwards I think there might have been Some technical glitches knocked down through. Just sit down. But one of the things he mentioned to me, um, again, I, I didn't know what to be talking about this, so I'm probably getting facts wrong, so I apologize. But I do remember something about the AI didn't know how to compensate for the audience laughing. Huh? So when the audience were laughing, the AI might be speaking. Right. So that was something that, 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 that. Well, But it's interesting. But, you know, do we want. AIs improvising on our behalf?
1: That's an excellent question.
0: An AI on stage means one last improviser gets a gig. Yep. You
1: know? But it's a neat gimmick. It's a neat hook. It is, yeah. I mean, there's
0: a market for,
1: for sure. Right. And, and it's something new, and it gets,
0: you know, innovation is quite difficult
1: in the improv. Yeah. yeah. Do you find a way to make the technology work for you? Do you let it run over you? Do you know, ignore that it exists? I think,
0: as, I think, to me, with improv, as long as we're doing something that we can learn and grow, you know what are we learning about ourselves from improvising with a machine and when does Skynet go live? What's yeah.
1: The questions asking? Could you improvise with Skynet? Do Terminators have humor?
0: Four Terminators,
1: 185. <laughs> like if Terminators are alone and not out hunting and killing human beings, do they have a need for entertainment?
0: What are their constant, what are their regular suggestions? <laughs>
1: It's still Jello. Is it still Jello and spaghetti and Elvis? Is it, are they the ones in Baker You know, they used to be. I don't know that we have. I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, refining the get. So that's, I mean, you get bathroom all the time. Everybody does. It's just universalities to the human condition. Yeah. I've been very fond lately of the um, line of poetry, the uh, yeah. the song lyric. I mean, with crowd work, I just have a conversation with the audience, so there's no set so, suggestion. Yeah,
0: talk to me a little bit about that, because you're going to be doing crowd work. Uh, people are going to be listening to this in the future, so you'll have done it. But at this point in time, you haven't done it yet. You're going to be doing crowd work.
1: You said at the beginning we were live. You're telling me they're not listening to this live, though. they definitely to this live, they're fighting the Terminators. Now I'm confused as to when my show occurs. The show is occurring. Tomorrow.
0: It has already occurred in some universe. So we're not live. So we're not live. Well,
1: we are live. Me and you are sitting here recording. Yes. live. But when you listen to this, we're not live. So now the show's in the future, but now the show's in the past. That's two definitions of now, and now my brain hurts. What we might do is on the description of this podcast, we might put
0: your opinion as to whether your show sucked or not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That'll- Give people
0: closure who are listening. God, I wonder if it was any good. Jay, yeah, you're doing your show crowd work tomorrow, and it's a one-person show. Tell me a little bit about
1: that. Um, I have tried stand-up three times. Um, twice, I did reasonably well, and these—I think the videos are all out there. So, if you wanted to search them up and, and corroborate my opinion, you're welcome to. And the third time, I went out specifically to bomb, and I did because I wanted to see if I could improvise my way through a difficult set. And it, the skill sets are so very different between improv and, and stand-up that I went back to the drawing board and went, okay. So solo improv, I mean, at a certain point of doing improv, you look for the things that scare you. Uh, and I remember a friend of mine, Sean McKenna, who used to be with Comedy Sports Milwaukee, uh, we were at a tournament in Kansas City, and they did scene in reverse, a four-minute scene improvised backwards. And he came off stage, and I was like, that And was like six years into me doing improv. I was like, that was really cool. And he said, yeah, it's the only thing that still scares me.
0: It's interesting. Like, you know, I do my show with an audience member. Other people have formats. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're doing something that's scary and challenging. Um, I think it's a fine line sometimes between trying to think of you know, something new that's just new and doing You in a you know One of the things I see in a lot of experienced groups is that they're playing with format that they play for and then they get bored of it using air quotes like that. And they feel to keep their audience the fresh from their audience. They don't get
1: you're growing from it you're learning from it um i think the answer to that lies in continuing how my show works uh so after i stepped out of stand-up solo improv intimidated me i know other people that do solo improv like you um uh my friend blaine does a solo show but there's a keyboardist i've never seen it so i I don't know i hear his solo show is phenomenal but i've never seen it um and so i did a i I called i booked time with brian james o'connell and i was like i want to do a solo show but i don't know what it looks like and so he and i talked through it what do you think what do you love about solo work and i came back to bill hicks and Howie Mandel and the stand-up boom of the, of the 80s and 90s and the ability to talk to the crowd and build your act out of the crowd. Um, and I realized through doing that that I was afraid of myself, that I was not confident enough in my own ability to hold the audience for 25 minutes. you know, I, I, I wasn't confident in my own ability to explore my own narrative. And sometimes I'll come off stage and I'm like, I didn't like that scene, but the audience is still going, we love that scene. Um, and so that personal growth you're asking about extends from following what scares me and continuing to challenge. Because I, I, I think improv inherently makes people better. I'm afraid of the person that I would be if I, if I was not into improv and hadn't been for a very long time, I think improv just inherently causes self-improvement and human growth. So by following the things that scare you and continuing to push the comfort zone of who you are, I mean, my discomfort was essentially with myself. And for the last couple of years, it's been exploring the idea of you are enough And so tomorrow night, I'm a little intimidated. I mean, I've never done a show outside of the United States before. And audiences are different everywhere you go. And I have no idea whether what I do is going to connect with the audience. But I'm going to go out there and I'm going (laughs) to be myself. And myself is going to be enough for that set. And I'm going to have a good time doing it. And that's been the growth for me for the last year or so, last couple of years, is – Being comfortable in in my own skin doing it.
0: So, so Rob, two more questions for you. One is, have you any advice, any particular area you've been working on lately in terms of improv training or maybe an area that you see a lot of students are saying, oh, you know, I need to work on this. Any particular area in mind and and what advice would you give or exercise would you give or tip would you give to people who may identify
1: with that? Um, Lately, the focus of most of what I've been doing is – has to do with having fun and not thinking as much. Because, I mean, I have a wish list of things that I haven't studied yet. It's dwindling now. Um, but the JTS Brown was on that list. And when I got into the JTS Brown, it was all about follow your instincts, let yourself be lost, don't question, don't, even, don't deny yourself, which is a big one. Um, I see a lot of improvisers who, who think they have to think of what's next. And so they're busy trying to invent the pattern or invent what's funny or invent the story. And so what I push and what was part of today's workshop, big part of today's workshop, was just be yourself. I mean, trust your instincts and follow where those instincts instincts take you and, and blank your mind out so it's not trying to invent things and just follow where things lead you. Because J.T.S. Brown is a philosophy that it leads you. You're not trying to invent where you go next. You're discovering what the philosophy wants you to do. And so it's all... You're lost most of the time. And it's all gut. And it's all trusting yourself. And it's all super support of everybody around you. And so that's... I'm a very thinky player. Uh, And so that has changed the way i play and it actually makes it a lot more fun and a lot more freeing so trust yourself and follow your instincts and play have fun be passionate
0: and then one other question for you this is not a favoritism question i stress that that uh, have you seen a show recently or the past while something that made you
1: forget you were an improviser and just enjoy it that you really that stood out? <laughs> so I'm not supposed to say Neil plus one no you're not supposed to say Neil plus one it doesn't have to be something you saw in Dublin it could be something back back in the U S something made me forget I'm an improviser you know the one that, the one that comes to mind is um, the Resistance uh, the Resistance is a group in L A um, no what well, yeah here's the thing This crossover the other group that comes to mind is Red Door and the two guys in Red Door uh, are also in The Resistance and The Resistance does an improvised action movie that's just playground it's just pure fun they have fun with it and they drag people from the crowd into the show I've been fortunate enough to play a subway car and a killer aardvark, or some kind of steer, or wildebeest, some kind of animal like that, just because they dragged us out of the audience and into the show. And then um, Justin, Michael, Terry, and Ryan Morisco, Morisco, Morisco. Oh crap! I'm gonna feel bad that I messed that up. Um, they do a two man called Red Door, and the last time I saw them, it was just it just transcended my perception of two men. It made made me think, oh, crap, i got to go back to the drawing board and think more about what our show is. And in talking to them about the performance I, I saw most recently, they discovered their form as they went, and it ended up being a mono scene in an airplane lounge terminal that moved to the plane, and they ghosted and morphed between about eight different characters and the physical comedy, and the character comedy, and they're playing each other's roles, and it just, oh, it was as close to flawless as I've ever, uh, some, every once in a while, I'll see something that just blows me out of the water. Round call, thank you very much. Thank you,